morning and welcome to Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Nothing ticks better than Pundit Friday, which are about to begin here in the WNHH studio. With the number one pundits in the media universe, pundits like the hardest working woman in New Haven show business, the one and only Babs Rolls-Ivy, the queen of the microphone, and the host of the Inner City News editor and host of WNHH's Love Babs, Love Talk. Good morning, Babs. You can yell to us on someone else's mic. All right. We got the uh, we got the flyest news hunter gatherer this side of Fleet Street, the woman you see everywhere in New Haven, star New Haven independent reporter Marquisha Ricks. Morning, Marquisha. Ooh, ooh, I gotta get your mic up. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. Okay, there we go. Hello, hello, hello. Um, Joe Ugly. It's is gonna coming. snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of nice. Little snow tonight, overnight. Yeah, Travis. we're gonna just get snow, a little bit of snow every day for, for the rest of the uh, like winter season. That wouldn't be bad. It's pretty. Mm. I'm dreaming of a white Shabbos. Yeah. White <laughs> Shabbos. I like it. You're, it looks like you're gonna get it too. It's all right. Too. Joe Ugly is on his way, but he doesn't get all his adjectives today because he stopped for a snack. <laughs> and others like Harry. I mean, uh, Joe, you looking a little light skinned today. <laughs> WNHA station manager and heavy D Donald Trump devotee Harry Droz, the bravest man in New Haven. Morning, Harry. Thanks for keeping the station running. And our Norma Rodriguez Reyes could not make it this week, but she'll be back next week. Oh, we miss you, Norma. Yeah, and being a boss, probably. Right. Okay. And Norma was not at the African Mayors Association event. This was for African American political leaders. It wasn't just mayors. The mayor Tony Harp is the president of the African. Ma- African American Mayors Association National Group, mm-hmm. and uh, because she's the president, they have an event here where the president is. So she brought them to the Omni, and she decided women need a special attention by getting more women in politics. She's the first woman mayor in the history of New Haven. She believes a lot in that. Tony Hart believes that women govern differently. Not that every woman does differently from every man, but that it brings a different style to government, which she surely certainly has brought. So she said, "Let's have this." annual retreat we do have be the first few days just about women black female mayors so uh christopher Pete covered it for us i thought he did some good job, stories oh i i was i was at the first reception you reception yeah, was this thing about the first reception there was only one other mayor there the first night it was mostly women in politics and instant in politics which but it I was think good cool. i thought it was really good though cool. so it wasn't just about mayors it's also about future mayors mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. also went to a workshop the next day where there were women who were in the let's say private sector non-profit business and they also were learning about how maybe what you overcome, not just become leaders in your own industry, which is important, but to run for office. And I think the timing is so interesting. So Tony Harp set this up months ago. She had no way of knowing that the first, the day before the event begins, Alabama was going to have a primary in which black voters were going to make the difference in taking a seat away from a, a Republican who had, and also that sexual harassment was going to be building up so quickly as the number one issue in America in politics, media, business, and that some people would argue that the only way to deal with some of these sexual harassment issues, the only way to turn back what Donald Trump is doing and the Republican Party to civil rights, to civil liberties, to voting rights, is to have more black women run for office, that there's no substitute. If you look at who has had to resign in politics since all these sexual harassment and assault revelations have begun, it's all Democrats who were shamed or see a strategic interest. Whereas the president of the United States, who has a whole long line of accusers and other Republicans, and Roy Moore ran and almost won a seat when he was barred <sighs> from a mall for preying on teenage girls. So the other side is not going to be shamed into changing what it does. They will, they're going to win as much as they can win. The Republicans in the end rallied around Roy Moore despite these allegations, despite how much they're embarrassed, because they wanted to win. So is there any substitute? Do you agree with me there's no substitute for women and especially black women running for office? And if so, is that an achievable dream to happen in enough numbers to have the other side lose at the ballot box? Absolutely. Why not? Why not? Because it takes a lot of work to run for office. There are a lot of barriers, as we heard at that Well, event. you know what? I think... I think- I mean, you think it's going to happen? Oh, I absolutely think it's going to happen because I think I think black women are starting to feel much more empowered in ways um, that they have not felt. And I think Alabama, um, I, I don't think black women have not known that they could run for office. I don't believe that. I think Alabama shows that 
you know what? Grassroots efforts can make a tremendous amount of difference and turn the tides. And, and if you turn off the noise of polls and political pundits, that you can focus on a goal and achieve that goal. So in words, don't listen to this program. Just go out and vote. Yes. Okay. And, and I think I think black women realized um, with Hillary Clinton's loss that like we're gonna do the right thing regardless. And we can't wait on we can't wait on and we can't wait on people to come and join us. We, we just can't have wait to do on what white we have women. To do. According to exit polls that I saw online that, uh, that night, sixty-seven percent at one point when ninety percent of the vote was counted of white women voted for Roy Moore. Now think about that. In the South, when there's a black person involved in sexuality issues, you know how crazy that gets, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole history of that and the whole underlying narrative of you appeal to the fear, the way they got rid of Harold Ford and everything that, you know, the fear of black sexuality. But here you had a white prosecutor. He was a government prosecutor. He was in charge of throwing people in jail if they do sexual offenses. He was such an openly known abuser and harasser of teenage girls in his 30s that they barred him from a shopping mall while he was the law. And yet, he almost got elected when his own party didn't want him. Mm -hmm. And white women in Alabama voted for him. Can you help me understand that? And again, I I can't can't help you understand white women. Well, I can help you understand. I can help you understand it. I can help you understand it historically. White women are white. (laughs) And at the end of the day, think all the way back to women pushing for their right to vote. White women sided with white men. They're like, oh, wait, wait. Don't 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 make don't let black people get the vote. And the white let, like let's let the, let this be white people. Oh, and when they and when they were <laughs> like that, we don't want to be like, equivalent. We'll see black men get the right to vote before we see black women. Well, with the suffrage movement, there is a suffrage movement. The, the white leaders were openly white supremacists. Absolutely, they actually said that blacks weren't yeah capable of voting. So, but so, that, so that, that, that that hasn't really changed. But that brings apparently. me back to that. I don't know whether we can appeal to people's consciences. No, I don't think we can. I, I don't. Think I don't. Got to take have. a pace from Donald Trump. You, you might gotta, be right. You got to win. Have. Not that people are bad, and not that there aren't tons of people you can't appeal to, and not that people we disagree with you can't have a good conversation with. But in the end, I wonder if the lesson of the last week, and maybe the message of this conference in New Haven, and the message of the president on down on the Republican Party who will not budge unless you kick their butt is that there is no alternative, as cold as it sounds, to winning. And that until That's black the truth, women, Paul. women and black women, until you step up in such large numbers that it's not just, you know, eventually we have a black mayor in New Haven, until there's so many people running, mm-hmm. I don't know if anything's going to change. I think you're right. I feel that way, too. And I, and I think what you're about to say, Joe, is I, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in total agreement. <laughs> you, know, it looks like, you know, this guy looks thoughtful in this in this right hand panel. According to our listeners, he seems like he's about to say, but he's a little bit um, hesitant to take the mic. Well, to take the same line as Marquisha did, uh, historically looking at things, it's always been economics that drive people to do things that end up being the right thing. It's never just let's come out and do the right thing unless they're listening to Pun Up Friday. <laughs> But if it's economic, economic, I should be a hashtag, Joe. Joe. Do the right thing. If it's economics, Joe, why would so many white voters in the South vote for a president and a party that are cutting back their health care, that are cutting back Medicaid, that an incredible number of them in those states rely on to stay alive? Right. So it's not just economics. No, it is economics, but economics is what drives those who's selling the product to those who are buying. I.e., for example, mm, you have Koch brothers use racial ex- wedge issues exactly. as a front to then transfer wealth, wealth from the poor to the wealthy. That's exactly. It. Well, Thank you know, you. Harry Joe's going to have a different view on this. Harry, why did white women vote for Roy Moore? Oh God. <laughs> well, I'm not going to white bash like <laughs> you guys have white been bash. doing. But what I am going to say, I'm is, not going to white bash. I didn't white bash. People, That's what history says. People vote for race. They do. You know, oh, Barack Obama got like 96 percent. Of the black vote, people like, vote hey. for race. I'm sorry. How it, long have black people been in this country and vote? How many white presidents have there and been? Doug Jones oh, is white. So uh, many. Bl- we have so many black, black pres- presidents. Was there another and, black president? And black people have voted for so many black presidents in the past. It's overwailing to me. Doug Jones is white. Doug Jones. He is a light skinned right, black is. dude. He's white. No, no well, he is. What I'm telling you is that they. You're saying why? I mean, I know Jones is a black name. I know it why, is. Why, it is. Why would women? But only really because there were white, men, white right? Joneses and black Joneses. 
white, mm. why would white women vote for white men? That's kind of because they're destined. They Roy feel Moore. like their destiny is tied to. I got Roy you, Moore. Moore. I got you, Paul. Roy That's Moore. Roy Moore sexual harassment. Be and it was it was totally based. It's not on, sexual harassment alone. <laughs> we're not talking about. We're not talking about someone saying something to someone that could be misconstrued. We're talking about someone who was banned from a shopping mall. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They, look, let, let me just say. I'm on your side. The white women were ignorant who voted for him. But that's right? because and, 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 and for Trump. Now, but, the but when you say that things will never change, that's not true. The reason that Jones won is because Republicans came out and voted Democrat. And it was because well, really. How many crossover voting? Came how many, out how many how much crossover voting? So How much crossover voting? You're, you're well, playing with the numbers, Paul. Okay, okay. Because mm-hmm. Alabama has a lot against crossover voting. Point, so. when, a, when an election is decided by only about 1.8% of the vote. I'm sorry, Alabama has a law on crossover voting? No, they Harry's do? point is that a lot of us for purposes You said Republicans cross over to vote with Democrats. Harry has a, a good point that, here. Harry, a lot of us decide what made the difference based on what we want to see happen. So a lot of us are looking to say, boy, the black vote did come out, which it did. Mm-hmm. And there's no question that Jones would not have won if there weren't historically high black vote for a primary. That black but girl. as Harry points out, this this guy was so extremely distasteful to Republicans that there were a record number of Republicans crossing over or writing in. There were more write-in votes than the margins. So but we hold do on, cherry hold on, hold on. My coach Harry, got, well, I think, no, got third before place. We go into, <laughs> before we go into Harry was right, could we just look at the numbers before just we a little go bit? Into Harry was right. a, a little deeper, Harry, because... The, a, a strong number of those white voters that cross over were millennials. And millennials happen to vote more on what they believe is right versus than what their, their daddy's party is. So you had that big pull because when you look at places like Shelby County, which is loaded with uh, universities, colleges and universities, that's where a bulk of those that vote came over from the white. But there's no question the black vote turned out. Oh, absolutely. And there was, there was no great question. stories about the, the Facebook press and, and they turned media. out, And they yeah. turned out in the face of every obstacle put before oh, them absolutely. over a period of time. Like so, having to drive hours what, to get to the polls and having a, or even just to register as opposed to predominantly uh, white districts. And there, there, is a, there was a problem with the, um, a purging of the roles. Um, right. I have, we have a Sora who was... Um, a voter in Mobile County. She used to live in Montgomery County, but she lives in Mobile County now. And she went to the polls. She did a whole Facebook Live about it. She went to the polls and they told her she wasn't on the rolls. And she was like, I'm sorry, I just voted in the last election. What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, well, they sent her to some other office and they're like, oh, you, you're going to have to vote provisional. And that's basically not like not voting. Did, right. the like, they don't, vote, did they count the provisional votes? They usually don't count them unless like they're going to factor into the outcome of the like if right. it's if it's not really close they're not going to count right them. if it's not within that 50 that uh it's like 0.5 percent yeah uh 0.5 but we're 100 percent on pundit friday we are 100 home for community radio i want to be 0.5 live i tried people i tried dan kennedy gives us a thumbs up good morning dan thank you for listening hey dan the WHH. you know who is the community oh lord you know, we've, been, two, we've been asking that question all week, huh? Uh, this week, there were two events that happened. Three. That really, three. Okay, I can't wait till you name the third. About what, calling the question of who speaks for the community. So <laughs> we, um, last night, two nights ago, there was a hearing about um, a, a project on Boulevard where there's an old house, a nice old house in the Ezra neighborhood that had been vacant for a long time. It was a, a law firm, right? The house Gallagher, it yeah, yeah, it was, it was, the Gallagher a, it was a firm. firm. So they want to make it, but it was originally, you know, it was a house. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty. So some, I love this some house. Some guy bought Beautiful. it. And he wants to build into a bunch of apartments, but no! the neighbor thought it was too many. He was squeezing in, so they fought him. So he kept changing the plan to fewer and fewer. And he got it down to five, and that's how he was going to get. He can do four by right, but he they he couldn't. He didn't feel he could do it financially just with four. So the neighborhood got the zoning board to um to delay it more, so he might lose his financing. My question is, so some people outside the neighborhood say, hey, that's not a lot of apartments for a big old mansion in Edgewood. The city gets a little denser. That's not a bad thing. Who are these few neighbors right around there that were going against? Are they necessarily speaking for the whole neighborhood? And are they um, looking out for the good of the city? But other people would say they that organized. They, they organized and they live in the people organized get to speak up. What, what was your take on this? And so the people who, who, who organize, they do live in the immediate vicinity of that house. They're not people who live like maybe across, like down the boulevard, like um, on that end close to the Chapel Street, where there are lots of multifamilies. Um, but those buildings were built as multifamilies. So they've been, um, 
you know, trying to like at the end of the day, the, the developer can do it by four, but they feel like he's been super shady in the way that they've dealt. He's dealt the with the neighborhood. Too. They feel the and bank, the bank too. Wells it's Fargo. a Wells Fargo yeah. owned house. Mm. They <laughs> say people in the neighborhood have attempted to buy that house and, and never could get any like feedback from, from, from the bank. Like, like people who wanted to make it more in line with what is already in the neighborhood. Um, so actually, I got the sense from the meeting, it wasn't so much that the neighbors swayed anybody. It was that the developer has consistently changed his plans again and again. And the the backstory, I think, is that he he's, he's one of those developers who actually, you know, doesn't really care about how the process works. But he's, he's like, I'm just going to keep throwing something at the wall to see what I can do. Like, I, I need to make money. So if, if they let me, if, if our, we had the type of board of zoning and city plan, and that's why I think city plan staff is like my, my favorite department. They're so clutch. You can see yeah, their work. They're clutch. Like yeah. they are like stopping <laughs> weird stuff from happening all over the city. <laughs> Tom Talbot. Right? Tom Talbot. And he, Tom Talbot, when Tom Talbot gets red, watch out. Because he is like frustrated. He's like, you know, you can't vote on this. Like he's, he's like the voice in the wilderness. Like you can't vote on this. Like I just got this thing at two o'clock. You just saw it tonight. Like you can't vote on this. All right, so Marquise, I think it's fair to say people would consider that a good representation of the neighborhood that had an effect. Now you're right. There are three stories. Now I'm remembering you go everywhere. It's mm-hmm. so hard to keep up with you in a week, I know. but, but then you, another Develop- night you were out in Westville. Down in Westville. So in Westville on upper Westville, as you're going out toward the Wilbur cross, there was an old CVS. Wilbur cross. Kind of to the highway oh, on the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> like the so, so there was a CVS that moved down the block to a nice new place. Yes. And the neighborhood's wondering what's going to happen to that big lot. It used to be the Crown Supermarket years ago. Remember that? <laughs> and um, I wish they still had that one. Fresh bagels on Sunday morning. The old ladies <laughs> elbowing you out of the way to get first in line. It was really fun. But, uh, but The town was so cool. But anyway, <laughs> the neighborhood is worried that the, the, the people own it. The market calls, they believe, for a dollar store. And there are pretty low-income people who live right around there, including someone in my family who says, these are good stores, we need them if they're nice, you know, and, and that's, that's where we buy stuff and that's the market. Other people, what is the neighborhood? So it is fair to say the neighborhood's also a broader area around there that has a lot more middle-class people and they don't want stores that are downscale. So they said, they've been for months saying, don't let a dollar store, don't let a dollar store go in. The problem is the city couldn't really stop a dollar store because zoning... A, they have zoning permission to put something like that in. But the dollar stores are good stores. Yeah. Well, the, the fa- pro- well, it's the family dollar. Oh, and, I don't, and family oh. dollar doesn't have a good oh, reputation in family, our city. Oh. Like somebody runs a family dollar Even, downtown. So here's, oh, no, so here's like an interesting thing, store. though, right? So they're family the dollar dollars, store. which are now owned by Dollar Tree, the corporation. They're also Dollar Generals. I'm from the South, so I'm used to Dollar Generals. And if you go out rural Connecticut, you'll see more Dollar General. There's one, one right on uh, State Street. No, there's one. There's one on Chapel now. No, what's the oh, one on is Chapel? It? Yeah, they yeah. bought the old family dollar space. Right. Oh. So interesting thing about that. This is a great story from the Wall Street Journal, by the way. That So Dollar Generals wanted to buy Family Dollar, but they didn't. Dollar Tree is having a problem making the merger work with Family Dollar because their stores are in such bad That's shape. Right. Dollar General wanted to buy family dollars and have have bought some of those spaces because they wanted to get into the urban market because they serve communities that are underserved. Well, Dollar General is a good looking store. And and so I thought there was an interesting dichotomy that Dollar Generals are good looking stores. They are. They are. But family dollars universally look like crap. They are. Who lives in urban environments? Mm. Who lives in rural America? Most. I mean, I'm from rural America. Like my, my people are from my black people are from rural America. And the Dollar Generals are so much nicer, but they do serve more white rural people. So now in this case, who gets... So if we'd gotten the Dollar General, it's, actually, it probably would have had a better reputation. So it's a mix there on where... So in the immediate neighborhood is more working class to some poor mixed race. So what's coming? It's going to be... Family so Dollar. The, the Family Dollar is coming. <laughs> oh, that's going to be crap. It. But... The couldn't stop it. But so here's the interesting thing about the path to this Family Dollar. Like, it, it isn't that this... Like, the city has use the rules to be like okay let's try to get the best family dollar we can get if we're gonna get a family dollar they didn't want a family dollar and they told this developer please get somebody else like an aldi they tried before the um the the the, the building was sold to this this particular developer northeast retail um but it's it's one of those things that's a little weird because they only this 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 developer only works with a subset of people to lease to so they usually don't buy buildings they usually find buildings for a Dollar General, a Town Fair tire to lease. 
And they're like the middleman usually, but there's just a small part of their business, which I'm sure is pretty lucrative. And that's why they do it, which is to buy the building and actually get the direct money for however many years from Family Dollar. And Family Dollar's got a big bank. They got big pockets. They, they and they want to be in these markets. So they're like, we don't care. We'll spend. Right. And and one of the biggest problems for Family Dollars is they don't want to commit money and and resources to keeping their stores clean because they don't have to because people are going to shop there anyway and the surrounding area but the city has used their 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 bully pulpit as such as it is to say okay you have to fix that crazy parking lot that's around that cvs you have to you have to put in new storm water you have to make it ada compliant and the last thing they're asking is that you have to fix it so the traffic flow is not dangerous coming onto Whaley Avenue. You have to make this site better. So it sounds and like the developer has said yes. So they the, thought he might say no. So the people <laughs> who have raised their voice as, quote, the neighborhood, which they have a right to do, are the people who show up at meetings of the community management team. Mm-hmm. These are white middle class people who live in the neighborhood of Westville. And they don't black they don't, middle class people. And too. black middle class too, right? And they don't live right there. They live like a half block. So where I live. Like, so they're like uh-huh. a three quarters of a mile away, half a mile away. So it is their neighbor that care what happens. And they have, it's great that they show up and speak, but they gave a unified public message to the city. We don't want it. Whereas I believe a lot of people do want it, but they're not the people who come out to meetings. So how do you then as a city decide who is the neighbor? Because it is great. We have these community management teams. They started with community policing by neighborhood in the 1990s, and they become a way for developers to come hear what the neighbor has to say as happened here. It had a good result, but it doesn't represent anybody, everybody. It represents the people who get involved. And the, that's better than not having anybody involved or anybody speaking up. So I'm glad we have this process. But I do believe in this case, while I agree with Marcia, Marquisha that it had a good ending and the democracy worked, I don't believe that the public voice was represented in full that, and that the immediate neighborhood was represented. I don't know what you do about that. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think you can dismiss the folks who showed up because the folks who showed up, the people who didn't show up will benefit from the folks who do they show up. Show up. Yeah. That's like, just how that goes. Unless they got, like they said, we want a Starbucks. And I don't think the people in the immediate neighborhood would have benefited as much. In the end, they benefited because they couldn't get their Starbucks. There's, there's something called private enterprise in America where if you're like to put a store, you can put something that's going to pay the rent and it's going to sell some stuff. So obviously there are enough Starbucks around. Starbucks didn't want to go in there and have a whole huge lot. But the uh, this was perfect for this business and there are people that would go there. I think if the neighbors had totally gotten their way, they would have gone against the interests of the people in that immediate neighborhood. Well, with the people showing up, I mean, that... I believe have an impact on what the developer is willing to do to the property to make yeah. it look better. And as far as it goes for, I, I, I kind of understand where the family dollar business model is coming from. Um, I did a report once on Walmart back in the sixties when they first started, it was Sam Walton's philosophy to make the, the store look ransacked and totally he'll walk around and just, just make everything because it makes make the store look exciting and people want to buy. It was a psychological thing and it worked. And Sears and Roebuck and all those other companies had problems with it, you know, and people wanted that type of a store in their neighborhood. But then they realized the benefit that came from it. All it took was for the likes of another fellow from Hope Arkansas to start making them make things look right. And that's how it evolved into what we get today. And what we're talking about on Pundit Friday. There we go. On WNHH 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Live streamed at 103.5. Gave him the quiet storm. We're running down the week's headlines <laughs> yeah. with Joe Ugly, yes, sir. Marquisha Ricks, Babs Rolls Ivy, hey. and yours truly, Paul Bass. So there was a third case this week with a question about who's the neighbor. The neighbors were out. And this <laughs> is really interesting. On Munson Street, where there used to be the only Winchester plants, the Winchester rifle factories, it's all gone. Now much of it is Science Park. There's a big whole chunk of it, 13 acres, that's just dead industrial land. So everyone figures it's good if it's something else than that, right? So this company from California 12 years ago wanted to build a New Haven. Time wasn't right. Now they say time's right. Here's some property. We'll spend $75 million, clean up the pollution, and build 285 market rate apartments. Whoa. So over a long time, they, that's did, a lot. they did what they were supposed that's what to do. what people are saying. So they did what they were supposed to do. They spent months going to those neighborhood community management teams, block glance, block. Uh, watches. They met with the alders, all the alders in Dixwell and New Hallville. It's right there on the border. And they listened to some things the neighborhood wanted. They are including some affordable housing. They're hiring local people. And then it was going through the approval processes. And then a week before, it's about to get one of its last two crucial votes, which was last night. A whole bunch of other group came out at Varick Church and said, 
well, we, we, we think we should slow this down. I, I really didn't get clear what they wanted. They are worried about whether sidewalks would be publicly available, whether it would be open entrances. I'm told now, as reading Mary Lear's story this morning, that they are going to do yeah, everything. there's not going to be they, gates around this It's thing. not going to be a gated community. People say, well, maybe some alternative gated community. So if we give what they want, which is a zoning change, they want to change it from an industrial zone to a high-density residential. If we give them that change, let's say they don't build it. Somebody else will come in and do stuff we don't like. Like gated build, or, or build so, even more apartments. So like. then Mayor Harp and all the alders who have been working with them in neighbor groups for a long time said, look, we went through this whole process. If you go, they, the other side said, let's slow it down. Let's create something called a planned development district, which are controversial in their own right. Mm-hmm. But there are pros and cons for that where you can write all sorts of detailed rules. But that takes months and months and months, maybe a year. This project wasn't going to happen then. Right now, you know the interest rates are going up. Things are going to change. This is the moment to build. The guy spent a year investigating. He wants to put $75 million. The people in the neighborhood. more than 75 And the neighborhood concerns which were real like rats that were disrupt coming out when they were disrupting land to clean up and that kind of stuff that's being addressed but everyone was for the concept of this change and then some people like are they the neighborhood well they have a right to come out and speak too because they feel there's a public interest about how do we do what they call spot zoning they think you know other people would say the citywide interest not the neighborhood interest was to get the tax revenue to get more people living there to get jobs to build the stuff but other people there's a woman who who is i think a neighbor but not an immediate neighbor she's on the whole other side of science park up a hill on sheffield where joe's family is from so she has an interest but she doesn't there's no way something there is going to pack her too much because you have to go all the way through science park and up a hill the traffic won't be affected, but she has a right to come out and speak. So people like that were there. People, preservationists who believe in these planned development districts don't live in the neighborhood. And they almost slowed it down. But last night, there were three hour, two and a half hour hearing. Marquisha had to sit through. Thank you, Marquisha. You got your battle pay. But they still voted to advance it. They, <laughs> well, did, vote, they well. did vote to advance it. So what do you think about that process? Did it work right? Who are the neighbors who should be heard and how, to what extent? Again, why would we not want to hear from everyone in the community, whether we agree with it but or not? But how do we wait? Of course we want to hear from them. Yeah. But and I think be there's, there's been no it? lost opportunities to hear. Like it's, right. it's been really interesting to see more and more people. I've been, I've been writing about this project since July. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know everybody doesn't read us, but people are really like, oh, I'm just now hearing about this. I only heard about it two months ago. But there were a lot of community meetings you went to. So people, I did. <laughs> so again, it's really people getting involved And also, in stuff. like, people, what's really interesting is that people will come to a community meeting, say, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. And it's like, well, this is the first time we're telling you about it. And it's like, I think people are confused when the plan seemed too complete. Like, if they seem like, you're like, you have this plan. How set in stone is it, is what they're asking. Like, mm. can it be changed? Okay. Are, are you willing to modify it? And, and they're saying... We're not willing to modify particularly the number of units, which was crazy because this discussion last night was not about the development. It was about the development because the developers are asking for the zone change, but they technically shouldn't have been talking about the development. It should have been just a discussion about whether it's okay to change the zone. But But if you don't have anything to hang it on, why would you be talking about changing? So the people the last so it's, evening was... It's were, very confusing. They were concerned about... And I understand they had opportunities to come out before, uh, but their, their concerns were if it was going to be a gated community or not. If it was going to be... It, if it's going to be a gated community, whether it's going to be part of the community for that was, real. That's very legitimate. It's, the concern is about the density. How many people? It's going to be 385 units. So 285. 385. It's almost 400 units. Well, but we, isn't we this, but doesn't this community want housing? Uh, well, we now? should change that. It should be 385 okay. because they, they need 598 parking spaces. At least that's what they're telling the city. But, but, but I, on the one hand, we keep hearing we need housing. And then on the other hand, we get well, that's housing. the other piece of it. You know, we get housing, housing but for we don't. Right. Because yeah. it's not, they're not building I'm, a rock. But, but here's they're, the thing. they're not building a rock view right, right. there. Well, here's the thing. They, they, don't want, they don't want the housing authority to come over there and build stuff. But remember, you remember, don't want that. They are building public housing for seniors one block across, away. Yeah. Yeah. Just they're across the street. building on a lot where there's no housing now, so they won't be displacing anybody. So that becomes our other argument about whether building the new houses at a market rate well, but then families will come out and say, well, we need family housing. And we well, need, this, this and place we need is going to have three and more. four bedrooms. Wow. They're going to they're gonna be some three and four bedrooms Will there be there. some loft space? Here? No, ain't going to be no loft space. Is it going to block Joe Ugly's view on the 90th floor? If, if he don't turn here. around, it won't. No, they're not yeah. building well, higher than four stories. Well, Joe, you're safe. Look, is it going to block the bike trail? Because I like to live. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. So that that's a good point. I didn't I didn't, I didn't. I didn't jump into that. Black people with money are just as bad as folks with money. 
I didn't jump into that in my story because I actually think it's See a good go. separate story. So Aaron Good, who is um, con- he's 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 like the New Haven's um, Farmington Canal like friends person. of Farmington Canal person, okay. and so he. I gotta meet this guy. You, you gotta meet he's Aaron. Also he's the great financing guy. Yeah, he's like the, he's the, the good egg guy trying to keep everybody on the straight and narrow. Oh, I gotta meet. This so guy. he talked about like that there's not been any discussion with that group about the impact on the railway. Like if you put all these people here, like are, is, is your development going to have its back to the trail? How are oh, you managing traffic? Exactly. Because that little intersection right there at um, Munson and, mm-hmm. and what is that? Winchester? Correct. Like it's dangerous <laughs> that like he's like, it's one of the da- <laughs> most dangerous crossings for people coming through the trail. Yeah. Right. Cause so it's like, high volume traffic already. Volume. So oh, if yeah. you add all these people like, but again, the the developers have been talking in kind of general terms about and showing some mock-ups of, but they can't get into the grid of it. They've not been to site plan review. Like nobody, like other than sharing it with the community, like it's not a thing thing in the sense that like, like, like it's before an official body. So it's been really hard for people to talk about in a way that they had to talk about it in compartments. Leslie Radcliffe, who is on the city plan commission who voted to advance the the zoning um, to, that came before the Board of Alders last night, she she came and actually testified against it because of the changing of the zone and wanting a, a planned development district because she is like, we didn't we didn't know that that you all had other choices to consider. You just came to us with this one thing and we were bound by the parameters of this one thing. It wasn't. They didn't get to suggest alternatives or know whether they had even discussed alternatives. Oh, so it's it's really it's it's a process that that feels like people could get left out of the process because you don't you you know you're talking about this development, but you also are talking about this very technical thing that changes the zone in a in a particular way that doesn't really match necessarily the rest of the zone because all the the houses around that development are pretty much one family like homes. Having mm-hmm. something like this, and you you said, you know, black folks with money is worse than that. Yeah, you're right. But you know something? A lot of people benefit from that mentality because, uh, look, there are two interests I have, my view and the canal. Okay? <laughs> as long as those two, those are the top. Those are interesting. Those are on the top of my list. Right? you got to understand, people try to vote emotional. I vote my interest. That's right. And our interest so, is telling you about the week's headlines on Pundit Friday. And that's exactly where I'm going with this. Because one hundred three point five well, FM, <laughs> <laughs> but don't you know a gated community can become very much so real when you think of the canal by trying to keep people off the canal. Now you have a gated community because if you go up the the canal into Hamden, a uh, little past uh, Treadwell, they have a big development going on right there right now on both sides of the canal, and you can see. Where people are walking right now, you could already start seeing it's getting more and more. It, it's real bad for the. It's a magnet for development, actually. People like to build. Yeah, they want to build near it. People like to walk and bike. Yeah, but you can't bike properly. I mean, why? Is it crowded? A lot of people start crowded. showing up. It's getting crowded. Mm-hmm. It's getting, and it's going when those places fill up. It's going to be that canal is going to be like it's. I can't see it being functional as the way it is now. That's it's enjoyable right now. That is interesting. That might go away. Now, the only way to keep that is to keep it gated. Mm. And that, that... Keep it gated? And that's like, what, what do you I mean gated? Well, not the trail, like how? but you mean the housing. So the those housing. people don't oh, the housing. Oh, I the see. The housing will have to be so gated. So you want to make it difficult for people to get on the trail? No, but I'm saying... Well, no. For <laughs> safety reasons, you're going <laughs> to have to gate it off. You don't want to have kids just running across. In so the, you don't mean access like in the middle of the trail. You just mean like... You, a- you access maybe the gated community point. at a certain point. So if you're mm, in the gated community, right. you can get you can't there just from your community. Spill out onto right. the you can walk at every inch of the trail. You can have a fence along the trail mm. and then and at every intersection be able to enter. And that creates its own psyche of Well, I'm sure, you know what? I'm sure I'm sure so somebody will like will, will err on the side of having some kind of barrier between that canal and between the, the trail and the... No, no, the, and I'm the, quite sure that's going to happen, but what I'm saying... Yeah, because I, I can see people feeling of, like, I don't feel safe with yeah, having exactly. people walking uh, behind my property, you know, where I live. The, but now the facade of a gated community is at the forefront, where it's us, them. You, mm. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That could be... Somebody made an interesting point about, like, I didn't know where she was going with this when she said it is until I heard it, um, but she she mentioned, like, the police and the concerns that people have about interactions with the police, police brutality, that sort of thing. And she was saying that, you know, p- 
police presence was likely she thought she felt like police presence was going to increase in the community not for the protection because people have said like you know more people in the community you got more eyes on the street that's safer for everybody right she said you know what will happen is that because the people who likely will live in that complex won't be like the people in the neighborhood they'll probably have much more money um it'll be gentrification in the sense that the you know how the neighborhood operates as it operates you know if this were harlem there'd be drumming on a particular day and there are people now calling the police about the drumming in the park that has gone on there for years there's no drumming in that neighborhood but whatever the thing is that people like to do whether it's cookouts in the summer or whatever it is 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 it going to be a matter of police calling being called on the people in the neighborhood by the new people in the neighborhood. Oh. Exactly. Ah. The people, so I thought that was people walking. Uh, but you know that neighborhood thought that, that was interesting. That That's interesting. Land though. I mean there there, I'm is, sorry? there is a lot of unused land. Some there of the is. new apartments are, some of the parts Christine actually knew where the Cardinals Club used to be. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's where I heard So change is. isn't always bad. No. Yeah, no. It's not no. bad. But it's it's an it's an interesting point. Yeah. From from yeah. what's happening because right. it's not tr- gentrification in the traditional sense. It's a it's not a, taking yeah. any super abandoned. It's up. not taking yeah. housing. Right. It's putting housing in, and it's Lots also it's going to put a housing. lot of housing in. It's going <laughs> to put a you know potentially a lot of people who have never lived in that community before, um, and who are not necessarily interested in the culture of that community. Which is really what the yes. people who have come out consistently have said is that. You know, let's think about the ramifications of how it changes the culture. Let me ask you a question. How do the people in the, what's that, West River with the big apartments over there, uh, you know, by the old Pond Lily? You you mean McConaughey Terrace? What are the ones where you park under? By West River, over between Blake and... Oh, Lady. you mean that um that apartment you know, complex? Your, yeah, the big apartment complex. Well, what is that like? That's what the community? Paris, you mean? No, is no, no, what? no. This is on Blake right here. Like they put that big the, giant. Right, that big it's, apartment. It looks like oh, yeah, college yeah, yeah, housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, exactly. It's not college. It's, I don't know. But it's senior like, housing? It is like no, it's not senior. Housing. It's you college know, housing. They drove out an assistant police chief there because so many UNH kids were living there and they were running yeah. transit to the UNH. They haven't laughed. Next door to Mice's building. Yeah. So Lincoln, it's that apartment. Oh, oh, oh yeah. okay. No. Like it sits on yeah, yeah. traffic. There's maddening. It's but, totally yeah. maddening. But that one. goes that goes out into but, a one lane road that already yeah. was choked. It's maddening. But how? Does well, this this complex that Munson is one way. You're right. One way. But one, how do, one how does lane. the community feel? Yeah, you know, I don't know, Joe. Because that that is a prime example of what I'm talking about. Because you ha- that is a us them. Because across the, the across the street, tell me about that there us is them. a there's an apartment it, complex too, but it right. was it's a much older one. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember yeah. right. that Correct. one is there. But that seems like it's off in its own and don't mess with us yeah. type of stuff. But it's not rich Where, people. No, it's it don't have like, to be that. That's well. One alder, and the I won't say his name because he asked me not to, but he suggested this. He, he suggested that his concern was that, you know, that this 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 Munson Street project would become a Corsair, which is, you know, that, I, you know we love the Corsair. We think it's a beautiful place. I was just place, thinking that, Marquisha. I was thinking, well, I, I would it's like insular. a Corsair. But are people going to actually pay those rents there? Oh, See, yeah. a lot of that's that's a big question. They think they're going to rent them expensive. The market's not there. Like with the condo overbuilding in the eighties in, in New right. Haven, and that becomes affordable like that, housing. Though. I like that because affordable housing. Comes the investors in, huh? take a hair shirt; they write off the loss. But then you get nice new housing. Then instead of going for three thousand a month, it's fifteen hundred a month. That's but that okay. time, that that time between where it's out of range and when it becomes affordable housing is the most dangerous time. And in the me- it can be yeah. can become crack houses. Like exactly. I, did I actually, the, the, I was actually thinking, oh, I wonder if it'll be like Corsair because I like Corsair <laughs> and it. It actually sounds like you've seen the Corsairs. Oh, I love it. She loves it. It it doesn't sound like it's actually going to be like the Corsair, at least not as insular, because I mean, the developer seems open. Like there's been some talk from um, Antris Farwell, who and some other folks who are like, you know, there's there's actually a street that is in that complex. It's Argyle. That's right. And they're like, you know, maybe some of the pressure of the potential coming traffic could be taken off if they open up that street in the middle of the complex. And the register quoted the developer saying he will do that. And he says he's open to that. Okay. He's open. Hopefully he does. Plus that whole area is developing. I'll say this. Like he, as as Mary O'Leary's story pointed out, was that he's he's been looking at development in New Haven. Like he's done some stuff in North Haven. At least one half of that development arm has done some stuff in North Haven. And he said he's been looking at New Haven for 12 years and he's been wanting to develop here and he asked when someone brought him into town 12 years ago to show him up and he's like the, the person tried to discourage him like but and he was like 12 years ago I probably was crazy he's like I'm not crazy anymore <laughs> and he's like and I wanted to develop this and he he's he's been consistently saying that 
we're not going to just come in and build something and bounce. Right. He's saying that we're going to be. So this is going to be another community question. He's saying we're going to be a part of the community, like whatever that looks like in terms of investing in the community beyond the see, development. You know what's going to happen. So the question is, will he keep that promise? Well, and I we'll mean, I see think in a couple of years. A nice, a nice, a nice development where people can live will bring in maybe some more retail. Entity, It'll definitely bring in some more revenue for the a, city. A coffee shop. You know, Titus is building his thing down the street, which yeah. is a co-op. And that's what they said. Like those, center, those, yeah. Yeah, so you those be shops able, on Science that, Park that have no, 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 re- no actually, renters. I actually think that if, if the economy doesn't turn too fast and if the Fed's interest rate change doesn't change investment decisions too quickly, this might be an incredible moment for that part of Dixon. And it could, it's if very have, walkable. If they have the new right? public housing seniors on one side, you have these 385 apartments on the other. You have that new triangle part that used to be Cardinals, which is workforce housing. And maybe you can get a coffee shop that failed last time to work. Yeah. You have Titus's Arts Center and the abandoned Big Nail Factory, if I said that right. They're talking about some real new stuff at Dixwell Plaza, including a whole media thing going on there. And you know, the Q House. So, the all, so all of these things are anchoring this community. I mean, I think... And I think it's going to make people quite. Un- I, I know it's. I know it's um, hard for people and it's unnerving for people because this is the change that they've been wanting. Mm-hmm. But, but now you know, coming, it doesn't. But now you're getting it right. Yeah. Yeah. Like what you asked for, yep. you're getting. It. And essentially, the conversation that you all just engaged in was exactly sort of how it went down at the board of alders last night. If I could just that side they line. they had to. I'm sorry, Joe. No, no, they had to look at everybody's concerns and recognize that that people want this change badly. They're a little nervous about it. What, what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like this, they had to make the bigger decision. And that comes down to the initial question that you asked, like, how do you make these decisions? This is where the, that rubber meets the road. These people are chosen to represent the community, like because at some point you pass it off. Right. You're a member of the community. You've elected people to represent you. And they've taken they've listened to what you had to say. They've taken into account that they, they might not always agree. But a lot of them said we agree with a lot of what you're saying. But. We have to look at the bigger picture. What what we all know is that nobody wants another 25 years of a vacant, contaminated piece of land. Right yeah. Now. And this this might be the shot. And we need to shoot the shot. And it's and looking, like, the and it's looking like there's a lot of connected development, right? right. Like everybody's Correct. paying attention to what other people are doing. Right. So you don't have these structures in isolation. So, so yeah, you ha- and you I'm have saying. to have, you know, if, if you're a part of this, the apparatus that's planning for the city, you have to look at that bigger picture. You yeah. can't, it can't be all about the, this vision yeah. of what's happening and how people feel about this community right now. Sure. Yeah. If I can just state, um, just a little, I don't know if you're looking around in New Hallville, the house next to the old 55 division street, kudos to the developer, whoever came in, took that house over and went through and then just throw siding over stuff that was falling apart that will make it fall apart in five years or so. They really went in and make that place look good. There's another piece of property on Winchester Avenue that it's, you could see it, it took it almost back to its original statue. And I can, I'm starting to see a lot of these smaller developers are putting that interest back into neighborhoods like that and into the neighborhoods like New Hall. I think it's Dixwell's and, and New Hall's time. And, and, I think so too. New Hall is a little bit of a heavier list because of all the slumlord owned mm. apartment complexes. Remember yeah. the three houses that was at the corner of Ella Grasso and Whaley Avenue and they at the LCI yep, yep, came yep, in yep, and yep, fixed yep. those up. Yeah. And, and neighborhood housing. And it looked well. And they still and, look good. Exactly. And on this both is, sides of the. And this is what you're starting to see now in New Hallville yeah. and that type of redevelopment. I still, I need a. That's I need somebody need, to build me a loft, though. Needs. I need a, I need right. a loft. Now, what Just about, get a rooftop. <laughs> Just get a roof. Before yes. we run I'll out of time here on Pundit okay. Fridays on WNHH, <laughs> 103.5 FM, livestreamingnewhampton.org, <laughs> I wanted to not leave before we talked about the flap involving the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. So Chamber of Commerce, which is oh, in New Haven, no. but we know it's like most of Dr. Fred! It's a, it's a, it's a dominated by 15 suburban communities. Mm-hmm. The people were doing a search for a new president after 17 years. They had Tony Resigno, the former first amiable former first selectman Republican from North Haven has been running it. Everyone's been getting along fine, status quo. And the, the people doing the search said, we want to try to have diversity. Not that we're going to hire someone because they're not white, but we're going to make sure people are in that pool, right? We wrote the Shirley Chisholm rule. At Jim, so the first, per- <laughs> they felt the person who had the most qualifications happened to be black. His name is Fred McKinney. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot Dr. of time. Dr. McKinney. Dr. McKinney working lifetime with um, promoting small Minority business and suppliers, running accounts on Bridgeport. He's a professor. He's a PhD in economics from Yale. He is a professor at Dartmouth. And um, 
So they hired him. He said yes orally. They came to terms. And then someone on the search committee, we don't know how many people, he gets a call saying some people are uncomfortable with something you wrote on LinkedIn. He writes these like opinion articles on LinkedIn. Yes, I follow him on LinkedIn. And he wrote a piece about white supremacy, about its roots in our foreign conflicts. And people got in a whole argument about whether he was saying that's why there was a Korean War, which is not what he was saying. I don't no. want to get into the whole That's not what he was saying. He but... was saying that afterwards that we've had this history of deciding we can make decisions for other nations and that you know the story we have the supremacist approach but in any case he used the word white supremacy that was the theme of his article and that made people uncomfortable presumably white people on the on the um chamber council commerce and he got a head under callback saying we have a problem and he said do i want to look at spending he's an, he's a man in his uh later let's call it late middle age so do i want to spend the next bunch of years explaining to people who can't my deal, blackness the teal mm -mm, not doing or it. the whole issue of white supremacy or not so he turned down the job and then there was a lot of discussion about it. Some people started getting focused on the article itself, which I thought was a little bit off the point. But um, Ratasha Smith wrote this in a comment. She said, I sure do hope he reconsiders. I understand his concerns, but we need to be in these rooms, meaning people of color. And although he was greeted with a cold welcome, he was given a seat at the head of the table. While some may have not taken the article he wrote, he is right. White supremacy is the root cause for many of the issues our people face today. I don't know much about Korea, so I can't speak to this point about that, but I digress. I believe that he were to take this position, we as a collective would be one step closer to achieving racial equity and economic security in New Haven, thus fighting directly against the white supremacy he speaks so passionately about in this article. It would be nice to see him take one for the team to not only ensure diversity in the chamber, but inclusivity, which would be mutually beneficial for African-Americans within New Haven. New Haven I'm just, whole. you know what? I'm tired of us always having to take one for the team and always have to, we have to undo white folks and their foolishness about white supremacy and what it is. Listen, white folks, Hear me. Go do your own work and stop looking to us to bring you along on this journey of figuring out what white supremacy is. He don't have to take nothing for the team. What is you it? Sixteen that Ratasha Smith is young in her twenties. I know she's young. I love Ratasha. She and, uh, she used to write for me and, and work for Fred me. Fred McKinney is, I guess, in the sixties. So I think it's interesting that the way that people at different stages in their lives look at that question. I get listen because well, I mean, if you look at if you look at Doctor Fred's I'm observing. I'm resume, observing. he probably been taking one for the team for all, all, all his life. Take attention. So here it is. I mean, you 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 went to Yale. You work at Dartmouth. You you've been taking for the team. Listen, white folks. So many teams. Two middle fingers up, boy. Bye. What does it say about the chamber <laughs> that the word? So they, they had no problem when I don't want to name names, but when people probably in that organization were supporting Donald Trump in the primary, I know. Mm -hmm. that was not an issue. Right. In a chamber not one. Rooted in the and they've been quiet Haven. ever since. So that's not a problem. But an the... African American person deemed completely qualified for the job dares to speak about white supremacy, and they. Can't they handle it. <laughs> like, what oh, it say, wait, what does it that's say, too black. He's going to come in here and play public enemy. What does Fight it say about whose interest is represented? He's going to hang a red, black, and green flag. That's a very good question. Whose interest is represented by the New Haven yes. Chamber, Chamber of Commerce? That is a very good question. And I got to tell Ask you. Ask them. You know, what is the most sickening part about this is here it is. You know, he's putting it on the table. Like you said, when Donald Trump was running it, they supported it. But he wanted to talk race. Oh, no. Okay. This guy come in and said, look, you know, we need to talk about race. He's putting it no, out No, 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 no. Now you don't want to talk about race. Let me ask the simple question. When are we going to? When is the good time? Let's ask Harry. Only when it makes me, me feel comfortable, Joe, of course. Oh, <laughs> let's ask Harry Jones. Harry Jones, who's our station manager, he once worked at the Chamber of Commerce. Did you, Harry? Ooh. That's a race issue uh, in America. Uh, non-disclosure. <laughs> He's not oh. an NDA. Listen, I will <laughs> tell you. Cops out. I will tell you, Paul. Ratasha is absolutely right, but I understand Dr. Fred is right too because doc, I'm like Marquisha. Dr. Fred has probably been taking it for the team for the better you know, part of his professional life, and let and these so young wants to let these out. young brothers take but this on. But it it also like we said here exposes what the greater new haven chamber of commerce yes. what their interests what, are you know what they want saying? they want to hire a nice if they're gonna hire a black person or a ben person Carson. of color like they ben want Carson. some they want a big Carson. they ben want Carson. somebody who makes them feel kind of comfortable well, about Carson. how they, they feel Benjamin about things Solomon that kind Carson. of you know you want that guy who can they eat wanted, at the chamber breakfast with you Negro. and you kind of agree with them and they you're want like they own Negro. you're like you're not like you're not like the rest of those black people and you know what's the worst about we want the good negro they honestly believe that's the conversation. That's the race conversation. <laughs> yeah. People honestly believe that. Well, let me tell they want to all lives matter. They don't. They don't want you to identifying discrimination. They want to. I'm just saying. I I will say this. I'm shocked. 
<laughs> that they even consider. Exactly. <laughs> that, I'm with you, Harry. <laughs> That's all. I'm with saying. you. And this is the last point. We talk about the kind of conversations they want to have at their chamber breakfasts. Dr. Fred McKinney, his whole life has been at those breakfasts and had those perfectly fine conversations. I think they could not deal with the word white supremacy. It They're like, oh my this, gosh, you're being fear, incendiary. What are you doing? Getting anywhere near that conversation. What, reading it on the web. James Baldwin said, and I'm, I'm not your Negro. <laughs> I'm not your Negro. <laughs> That's right. And I'm sorry, the chamber represents who? <laughs> exactly. Have they ever been down with the... No. No, I'm sorry. No that, that, isn't that why there's like a whole minority, like their own? Oh, that's <laughs> right. There's a Greater New Haven Business and Professional Organization. Shout out, yes, yes. Raynon Harp. Because right. you know, and shout out to the greatest pundits <laughs> in the media universe: Babs Earls Ivy, Marquisha Ricks, Harry Jones, Joe. I know white folks are through with us today. <laughs> Norma Rodriguez Ray. Listen, we're not here for their. Uh, I'm not here for the white gays. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, <laughs> I don't recall. I'm not myself, here for it. I can't ever recall myself apologizing about speaking up for my folks, race. Why, folks? This is not. Listen, these never, days is over. Ever going to be there sorry are no bow heads and averted no, eyes no, anymore. Sir. No, no, no stepping off the curb. I'm not is. here for your fragility. I'm not here for your sensitivity. I'm not here for your tears. You you want me to bow? You want me to bow my head and close my eyes? Take that Sorry, knife out of your hand. Can we at least <laughs> ask us to agree that we're going to take it out with the effort? Are we going to take it out? I think we're going to go another hour. You better get some PE. Fight love, the power. I'd love to go another hour. Let's do another hour next week, folks. Ah, uh, um, next week is a holiday. No, it's <laughs> not. No, it's not. And that that next Friday, I know we're going to be at work, but we're not going to be at work all day. That's true. <laughs> Maybe we'll close it out with, with Pundit Friday for the year. All right. Year All right. Pundit yeah. Friday. Oh, we can have a year oh. end. That'd be fun. That's oh, that'd deal. be fun. See you guys next week. Yes. yes. Next All week right. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. He just bumped my show like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can't, no, we can't, we can't go hours. another hour. We're not getting into my hour. So. Okay. Anyway, take it out. <laughs> so anyway. Performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the Group CD. A plea for <laughs> peace. Now, we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Let's dream of a white Shabbos. Book your flight and fly free with us all weekend long here. That sounds wrong. At this post-conversation, that sounds wrong. New Haven's home for community radio. (laughs) 